Entrepreneur on Fire 444. John Lee Dumas is here with your daily dose of inspiring entrepreneurs. Welcome to Entrepreneur on Fire and prepare to ignite. Whether you're starting a business or looking to protect your family, LegalZoom has award-winning services developed by some of the best legal minds in the country who can help. Visit LegalZoom.com today. Enter FIRE in the referral box at checkout. Looking for a software-based online investment advisor? Betterment is built to provide optimized returns with a diversified portfolio. Betterment is an SEC-registered investment advisor. For more information and full disclosures, visit Betterment.com slash FIRE. Okay, FIRE Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Vern Harnish. Vern, are you prepared to ignite? You bet, John. Yes. Vern is founder of the world-renowned Entrepreneurs Organization, EO, and chaired for 15 years EO's premier CEO program, The Birthing of Giants, held at MIT. He is the founder of Gazelles, a global executive education and coaching company, and author of Mastering the Rockefeller Habits and the Greatest Business Decisions of All Time. I've just given our listeners a little overview, Vern, so take a minute. Tell us about you personally, because we want to get to know you, then give us an overview of your business. Well, first of all, we are, um, I'm coming in here from sunny Barcelona, Spain, Whoa. where we, yeah, we moved here about five years ago, uh, my wife and four children, so we could get six time zones closer to the wild, wild east, you know, <laughs> India, China, Middle East, and the whole bit, so... Uh, but the company is based in Ashburn, Virginia, Gazals. We are actually six different companies, mainly providing leadership, coaching, uh, executive education, and a technology platform to help these crazy entrepreneurs scale up their businesses and kind of keep the wheels from falling off as they, as they head down the road. Well, we definitely are crazy entrepreneurs, Vernon. Where did you come up with that great name, Gazals? Well, I wish we could take credit, but uh, David Birch, uh, you know, one of the top professors and thinkers at MIT, like they won the Presidential Medal for this uh, years ago, was the guy who said, "Look, there are three kinds of companies in the marketplace. There are mice, which are mainly small business, and they remain small. You know, ninety-six percent never get to a million in revenue. Which, by the way, that was why that became the threshold for becoming a member of EO." Uh, then there are the elephants, which are the large, you know, Fortune 500 companies. And then there's a small sliver, 2 to 3% of all the companies in the middle, which he called gazelles, which are really the growth engines of economies. They're the ones that are scaling up. So we named the company after the segment of the market that we've been going after around the planet. Wow. Well, that's a great story. And I will say you're speaking to a number of those people today because Entrepreneur on Fire listeners, whom I lovingly refer to as Fire Nation, are made up of entrepreneurs, wantrepreneurs, sidepreneurs, small business owners. And the podcast itself, Vern, is actually downloaded 450,000 times every single month in over 145 countries, many of which are from this eastern area that you're talking about that you moved six time zones closer to. So I'm really starting to personally see a huge surge in downloads of Entrepreneur on Fire from this part of the world. What are you seeing being so much closer and being so much more involved? 
Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to see a billion four new people come into the middle class this decade, not this century, this decade. Wow. It's going to go from 1.8 billion to about 3.2 billion, roughly half the planet. And 76% of these new entrants in the middle class are, again, slightly east of here. And, and the reality is they are literally, John, hungrier than we are. In fact, it's something my wife and, and I have talked about with four children who've had a, you know, a pretty privileged life. They're going to be competing and hopefully cooperating with young people who, again, are literally hungrier than any of my children have ever been. And they want it bad. And they know the importance of education. We saw a young girl literally take a bullet for trying to defend her right for education. And these are things I think we've taken a little bit for granted in the West, including the United States. Wow. Well, this next decade definitely holds a lot of change, a lot of excitement, and a lot of opportunity for those that are both literally and figuratively hungry for it. So, Vern, what we do here at Entrepreneur on Fire, before we really kick into the main interview, is we share a success quote, because that really helps get the motivational ball rolling. So take it away. Well, we have a favorite one, and it's been mine for years, and that is that literally no one has ever achieved peak performance without a coach. Uh, I mean, I'm just amazed at what, I'm a big tennis fan, and what Andy Murray was able to achieve this year, you know, won the Olympics, goes on to win Wimbledon for Great Britain. And what was the change? It was Andy got the right coach. And the late Steve Jobs, who I really feel was the inspiration for launching the Entrepreneurs Organization, you know, Steve had a coach, Bill Campbell, also the same coach to Eric Schmidt, so, uh, who was running Google. So look, if the very best on the planet have coaches, you know, why does somebody think that they don't in order to be able to move forward their business or even their life? I cannot agree more. And in fact, I am always mentoring four people over the course of every single month. And one thing we do here at Entrepreneur on Fire is we are very transparent. We share our, our income reports on a monthly basis uh, to show what's working for us in the podcasting industry, just as importantly, what's not working for us. And a lot of people would reach out to me and say, John, I see that you're spending XYZ for a mentor. Isn't it kind of hypocritical for you to be mentoring people when you have a mentor, when that couldn't be more opposite the case, where I would be doing my mentees a grave injustice if I didn't have a coach, if I didn't have a mentor that was constantly pushing me to the next level so I could help my mentees below follow that same route. Exactly. And we've, we've actually, you know, they've always talked about it takes a village to raise a child. Well, <laughs> I've always seen, seen it's taken a village of gurus to really help anybody in business because no one person has all the answers and you have to kind of triangulate into what it is that you need in order to move the company forward. And so, yeah, anyway, yeah, you've said it beautifully. It's the best to have coaches and not the worst. And I think we all need one. Awesome. Well, great theme that I want to really keep coming back to throughout this interview, Vern. But what I really want to do now is turn the spotlight onto your entrepreneurial journey because that's what Entrepreneur on Fire is all about. We talk about successes. We talk about aha moments. And just as importantly, we talk about failures. And that's what I want to focus on now is a story of a time in your life when you did fail or when you face a massive challenge or obstacle that you had to overcome. And Fern, tell us that story and the lessons you learned from it. 
you know, John, I'd launched the company back in the late 90s, and we went from a half million to a million to two million to four million, and we're getting ready to double again, and wow. 9-11 happened. And, you know, we had just struck a partnership with Fortune Magazine. We were going to launch our first growth summit in the U.S. literally six weeks after 9-11. Well, you know what happened. It, the airlines were shut down. People didn't want to travel. We're running, you know, this executive education and coaching business. We can't get to clients. Clients can't get to us. I literally lose a million bucks in about eight weeks. And because I was growing fast, I was consuming cash. And so it was game over, game over within like eight weeks. And I had to let everybody go uh, except my bookkeeper who could kind of keep, you know, the creditors off my back. And I remember letting everyone go right around Thanksgiving. And the only positive spin I could give was that, look, at least you've got the holiday time off. You know, <laughs> and, you know, you laugh at it in hindsight, but it's absolutely one of the most painful things I've ever been through. And, and what made it doubly tough is my dad, decades earlier, had, you know, was partnered in a very, very successful, fast-growing business. And in the 73 recession, he lost it. And I thought, oh my gosh, deja vu, you know, like father, like son kind of thing. But we survived it, came through, uh, learned a lot of lessons. And, uh, and I think it's been helpful to the business ever since. Well, that's what I want to focus on right now, Vern, is maybe one clear lesson that you did learn from that experience that you've since applied to future ventures that Fire Nation can really walk away with. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I'd heard it earlier, but I think Jim Collins in his latest book, Great by Choice, which was really more about us than these Fortune 500 he wrote about before, noted that the, the great companies had three to 10 times cash reserves that their competitors had. And in fact, Bill Gates, for instance, had always had a rule that from the day he launched the company, Microsoft, he always wanted a year's worth of payroll in the bank. And so when I started in 2002, literally had to shut the old company down, get a new EIN number, and start over. I swore I would always have a year's worth of payroll in the bank, and I have ever since. And I'm, I'm telling you, you age so much slower if you <laughs> don't have to worry about making payroll than if you do. And then we did some things to really boost our cash, and one of those was – I literally get my cash reported to me every day, and I get a you know quick summary from my CFO of our cash position, what came in, what came out over the last 24 hours, projecting what's going to come in and what's coming out. And I pay, obviously looking at it daily, much more attention to that number than I do you know your standard P&L. And that helped me really fine-tune the business uh, and, and – and for all of us to run it much more effectively. So if you can do just one thing, look at your cash position every day and make sure it's going in the right direction. When you have a cash reserve like the one you're talking about, Vern, it allows you as the business owner, as the CEO, to drive the ship in the direction that's most beneficial to your company instead of it being dictated on a week-to-week, month-to-month basis just to make the next payroll. You can make the smart decisions now that are going to benefit you later down the road instead of maybe the wrong ones to get some quick return so you can make that payroll. So 
by you saying that you age so much slower, you're also able to take a much smoother direction in the business world by having those cash reserves. So it's a great takeaway for all of Fire Nation who's listening and realizing that, hey, maybe a little cash reserves isn't that bad of a thing. Yes, I'm going to invest a lot back into my business, but we need to keep some reserves for that rainy day, which is always inevitable. And Vern, what I want to do now is go to the other end of the spectrum. We talked about that failure, that obstacle that you had to overcome and learn from, but let's talk about a light bulb moment. Let's talk about an aha moment that you had at some point in your journey. And more importantly, what steps did you take when you had that moment to turn it into success? The real aha moment came about that same time. And it was, it's going to sound strange, but I had to realize that I shouldn't be the one running my company. You know, I I actually, we often kid, but entrepreneurs, most entrepreneurs I know basically can't stand human beings. And I (laughs) I say that tongue in cheek, but you know, you know, our, our poor assistant, the first thing that we ask him or her to do is just keep the human beings away from us. (laughs) And because, you know, we're more in love with the idea of our business than we are often interacting with customers or employees. And it was Marcus Buckingham who, uh, you know, the put your strengths to work guy uh, out of Gallup, who really helped clarify this one idea that we all have to play to our strengths. But here's the issue. Entrepreneurs, their challenges, they're too good at too many things. This is why they actually have a hard time letting go to other people. But a strength is not defined as you being good at it. A strength is defined as... As you think about doing something, as you're doing and post-doing it, it actually gives you strength. And a weakness is anything, even if you're really good at it, that as you think about doing it, makes you tired. And I have to tell you, everything about scaling the company made me tired. And so today, we're structured as six separate companies, and they are run by independent CEOs, entrepreneurs, who are much more talented, John, than I am. You know, guys, you know, ex-guys out of Oracle and McKinsey and Goldman Sachs, who then went out and built their own companies. I mean, they know more about how to do this in their pinky than I do in my (laughs) entire being. And I had to actually realize that my strength is out marketing and teaching. And so that's all I do. And everything else is taken care of by the rest of the team. So Vern, just like you did so eloquently in the last segment when we talked about a failure that you faced, let's boil it down for Fire Nation. One lesson that you can really share with us that Fire Nation can walk away with that is really powerful. I think just keep track of what you spend your day doing and over time, get everything off your plate that makes you tired and do the things that give you strength. And if you'll just stick to that rule and then help everybody else in your company uh, achieve that same goal, uh, you're going to have more energy in the company and be much more successful. No, I love it. And I'm a big fan of saying I am on the no train because as a people pleaser, we want to say yes to everything and every opportunity that comes up. And when you do that, you're taking your energy, you're taking your focus, you're taking your limited bandwidth and applying it to other areas that may not be most beneficial to your business. But when you can get on the no train and just be comfortable with saying, you know what, this doesn't align with my current business ideal or strategy 
it can open up so much opportunity for the personal entrepreneur that's taking that mentality. So Verm, this question is kind of curveball. Have you had an I've made a moment? It's always one of my favorite quotes, you know, where they say, you know, what's your favorite, this, that, or the other thing. And you're like, the answer is your next one. <laughs> and, and look, I, I felt I was lucky. And I launched EO, which is now the world's largest kind of entrepreneurship organization, back in 1987. And I felt like at that moment, um, when I launched it and have seen it grow, that that was my legacy. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs really work hard to make money and then they worry about what's their legacy going to be. I really felt like I got the legacy thing done now, but that was a nonprofit. Now what I'm actually doing is, is, is piling, you know, some bucks in the bank, you know, to support some of the other causes that I'm interested in. And in the actual specific moment for me, John, is that uh, I was, again, I've been a big fan of Steve Jobs. I had, launched this list called the Ace 100 in partnership with my, my mentor, Arthur Lipper, and his magazine, Venture Magazine. And number one on the list was Steve Jobs. And so we recognized him in 84 and then in 85, but he got fired in 85. And he didn't want to talk to anybody. And I knew a couple of his good friends. And so long story short, uh, they helped me convince Steve to come to this Ace event I put on in L.A., we had a, over almost 1,200, as you described them, entrepreneurs, wannabe-preneurs. <laughs> um, and, and, and Steve Jobs came, and we were his first public speech wow. uh, that he gave after being fired. And I set him at the head table, and next to him I put Michael Dell and, and Mark Cuban and Julian Bill Bryce, who are you know, building I Can't Believe It's Yogurt. And it was just, John, one of those magical evenings where – Steve poured out his heart like he can and just shared some real truths with all of us. And I'll never forget him, how he ended that speech where he said, look, you know, all you have to do is keep one thing in mind as an entrepreneur. And I I swear, 1,186 of us all just simultaneously leaned forward (laughs) to hear what Steve had to say because he understood drama, you know, early on. And he said it was simply to always follow your heart first then using your head. And this is a heart business. This is a passion business. And so that moment, that, that evening, you know, for me was like, and, you know, we were all over the news and all kinds of stuff. And it's like, wow, we've made it. And we made it this early. Uh, and so that was uh, one of the great moments. That is a great moment. And you need to celebrate it as a great moment, as an I've made a moment, because that's part of the journey. And, and Vern, to that note with that great Steve Jobs quote at the end, as entrepreneurs, we are so passionate and we often do follow our hearts first, but a lot of time that leads to the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. What is your advice to those entrepreneurs that are trying to deal with that roller coaster of emotions and really make it through this marathon instead of this sprint? Well, I think first of all, just have a bad memory. You know, <laughs> I, I think you got to wake up. You know, each morning, and you know what entrepreneurs do is they constantly move forward. They they rarely look in the rearview mirror, and so you just have to kind of like a salesperson, just kind of wipe your mind clean and move forward the next day. And I think counter blessings, you know, literally, we have, a, you know, a lot of my entrepreneur friends keep a journal. And one of the key things that they do, dear friend of mine, Steve Sampson, is he, he writes down what he's grateful for 
every single day. And I think that's helpful in being able to kind of deal with the, the storms that come in everyone's business. So powerful, Vern. And it's a great time to bring things to present time with you right now. I mean, here you are out in Barcelona. You moved your family out there with four wonderful kids and you're living this great life. What are a couple things that are just really exciting you right now? It's our new initiatives. China, I was just there two weeks ago. Russia, where I was just there last week. And India, where I'm going tomorrow. And so literally in three weeks, we're hitting China, Russia, and India. We've got some great marketing partners in each of those areas and coaches that are just doing great work. And and all three of those areas, literally, uh, John, in the last 24 months, have kind of woke up and said, look, we need to kind of take our businesses to the next level. I mean, Russia has been able to rely basically on the oil and gas industry, but now the U.S. is becoming energy independent, let alone a lot of other places. They're having to up their game. India used to be, hey, we were just cheap, but that's gone away as wages have doubled, tripled, and others in, in countries like India and China. So they're now having to compete on a much you know, bigger global scale. And right. so they're waking up. Uh, to the need for a new level of sophistication and management. And we're there, at the, I think, at the right time. So couldn't be more excited. Vern, what do you see as some opportunities for today's entrepreneur, no matter where they're living in the world? You know, I think the most important thing is hyper-specialization. Um, and in this thing, this, these gazelles are hidden champions that own 50, 60, 70, 80% global market share in these narrower niches. There, there's this one company that only has eight employees, John, but they have 100% global market share. They don't have a single <laughs> other competitor. And, and you can imagine what the margins are and the profitability and customers literally wait in line for years begging this company to choose them next. And that's the position you want to be in. I got a a dear friend uh, in the U.S., Arnie Malham, who runs a company called CJ Advertising. And look, anybody in there, you know, anybody wants to be in advertising and marketing and just kind of put up a website and claim they can can help you. And and a lot of people are. But what Arnie's done is hyper-specialized. He does advertising, marketing, only for lawyers. No, wait a second, not just lawyers, for personal injury lawyers. Nope, nope, that's not even special enough. For only one personal injury law firm in each of the NFL cities, you know, city big enough to have an NFL team. So he only has one client in each of those uh, cities, and he makes them number one. And once they become number one, if they decide they don't need him anymore, then this means he's free to go work with their competitor, which none of them want to have happen. <laughs> and so, you know, Arnie has got a lock on the market. And then all you do, the second part of this strategy, is you just march around the planet from city to city to city. And your job is to get into, the, into some city 12, to- 12 time zones away before they get into yours because – with the internet, anybody can do business with anyone's customers anywhere. You know, we've got a client in Sri Lanka charging unlimited year-long tech support for $199. 
Now, what's that do to the local IT service guy in Omaha, Nebraska? Uh, I was with a good friend of mine in Brisbane a few weeks ago, and he just bought a pair of Nikes off of the UK uh, Amazon site being delivered right to his home in Brisbane, Australia. You know, what does that do for the, the shoe retailer down the street? So you've got to be on your A game. You've got to hyper-specialize in, in a more narrow niche than you thought uh, you needed to even define it. And then you've got to chase that narrow group of customers all the way around the globe and lock up that niche globally. Vern, I mean, I could not agree more. In fact, one thing I love to share with Fire Nation is the need to niche and then to niche down again and then literally to niche again until it hurts. And that third niche where it hurts because you think as an entrepreneur, it's going against your instinct of being able to have this wide market and being able to have all these clients. So it literally has to hurt to niche down that far. Then you know you're starting to be niched enough where you can dominate that specialization, that area, and then to start to make a name and build an audience for yourself. So love that, Vern. Thank you for sharing that. And let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. Do you ever wonder why people talk to you about investing money when all you can think about is how you're even going to make money? (laughs) The life of an entrepreneur. Unknown, inconsistent income, and bootstrapping at its finest. But wait a second. Chances are, before you became an entrepreneur, you had some type of job working for some other company, right? A job that offered you a 401k retirement account or perhaps options to contribute to an IRA. When we talk about investing, it doesn't have to just mean that you're putting new money into something. It can also mean that you're simply managing the funds you already put away. I recently found out about this new company called Betterment, a software-based online investment advisor. Betterment allows you to roll over an IRA or create investment goals in a risk-adjusted portfolio. Invest for three months at no cost to you when you visit betterment.com slash fire and fund an account. Betterment is an SEC-registered investment advisor. For more information and full disclosures, visit betterment.com slash fire. New year, new strategies, new goals, new business. Don't start 2014 out with a bunch of unnecessary stress. All you have to do is plan a little. All businesses start somewhere, right? I know, there are several boxes to check first, but I have some great resources to help you out along the way. One of the most important things that you can do when you're first starting out is to follow your business paperwork and take a look at trademarks. I know just a partner who can help. LegalZoom. LegalZoom has been around for over 12 years and they can help start and maintain businesses with incorporation and LLC filings, trademarks, and copyrights. Don't worry. LegalZoom will be there to help you from start to finish. LegalZoom is not a law firm, but they can connect you to an attorney and provide self-help services at your specific direction. For even more savings, enter FIRE in the referral box at checkout. If you're a parent or entrepreneur, then visit LegalZoom.com and protect what's yours. And it's a perfect segue to what my favorite part of the interview is, and that's the lightning rounds. This is where I get to ask you a series of questions, and you come back at us, Fire Nation style, with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? Hey, I'll give it a try. (laughs) What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Literally a driver's license. 
<laughs> and, you know, I wanted to get launched. And thank goodness in Kinsley, Kansas, where I finished high school, you could get a permit to drive without an adult when you were 15, as long as you had a farm part in your glove box, even if you weren't in farming. So we all had a farm part in our glove box. I bought my first car for literally $50. Uh, it was an old Camaro that had been hit by a train. Uh, but it was on the passenger side. So I could still get in the driver's side. It looked good on the driver's side, and I could get around. And my dad had taught me the appliance repair business, and, and so I got launched. So literally, it was, it was a driver's license, and being able to you know, get out on my own, that was, that was the only thing holding me back. Love it, Vern. You found the power of loopholes at a very early age. You bet. What is the best advice you've ever received? Well, I hate to be repetitive, John, but it's kind of going back to the success quote, and that is to get and keep mentors. And and by the way, it's particularly, you know, my dad had lost his company, and we'd actually gone from very rich to had nothing. And so I go off to college, and I'd always remembered how uh, Carnegie had been poor, and he said, it's very critical for you to live in a rich neighborhood. And I'd managed to get a job with a company called Superior Supply Company. I'm still dear friends with the son of the founder who was president. And I'd heard his, his father, Don, and his wife lived in this great neighborhood. And so I just boldly went up to him after, you know, the first few days I was, had joined uh, the company and said, hey, could I live with you guys? And, you know, Don <laughs> was caught off guard. But long story short, he asked his wife and Jerry, and she said yes. And uh, not knowing that every winter they would go to Florida and escape Wichita. And so I had this entire beautiful place for nine months during the school year. And and Don went on to become a great mentor, taught me business, helped. I helped him run, uh, he and Jack, this $12 million company by the time I was a senior in, in college. And he's the one that really introduced me to my next mentor that helped me get these associations launched and, and my own company launched. So um, that was the, the, you know, the best advice was continue to get and keep mentors all along the way. Wow, Vern, that was phenomenal. Can you share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success? Habit of continuing to read lots of books. Uh, and it was interesting. I I attended one of Michael Milken's conferences a few years ago, and Eric Schmidt was there. At the time, he was still CEO of Google. And I remember Mike asking him on stage, all right, Eric, so what's the most important thing you can share with the audience has been key to you building and running Google? And I'm like, you know, we're all like waiting for this huge, big insight. And he goes, you know what it is? Shut my BlackBerry off every weekend and read a book or two. Uh, and, you know, it always reminded me of one of my other favorite quotes, you know, those who don't read barely have an advantage over those who can't, you know, just think about that. And so you can only have come out of your brain what goes in first. And so I think it's this commitment to doing a lots of ongoing learning and education, whether it's reading books or listen to audios or listen to your program, John, or whatever it is. I could see in the MIT program that I directly ran for 15 years, and I moved about a thousand, you know, crazed, passionate entrepreneurs through that program. I could tell who was going to build the bigger companies, and they were the hungriest to learn. 
They're the ones asking the questions. They are the ones coming up and, you know, dominating the time of the speaker. Some of them even invited them out to their companies. They were voracious learners. And I, I've seen that direct connection all my life. Well, Vern, mastering the Rockefeller habits and the greatest business decisions of all time are two books, Vern, that get brought up time and time again during this lightning round, which I highly recommend to Fire Nation, both of which I've read and love, having my Kindle as we speak. Besides that reading, you know, one that we've, I got again from somebody I admire, Marshall Goldsmith. You know, Marshall's one of the top executive coaches to CEOs. And that was the power of having a peer coach. Hmm. And you don't have to pay him any money. So I've got a dear friend here, Sebastian Ross, and we commit to each other every three or four months. What are four or five starts or stops we need to do every day that's going to make us a better parent, a better spouse, a better business leader? And we email each other every day. Uh, now, Marshall suggests you talk every day, but we haven't been able to make that work. We meet usually once a week to discuss. But every day I have to be held accountable by him and vice versa. And I'm telling you, I've never found anything that has caused me to make more profound behavior changes quicker than having a peer coach. And I'd encourage folks just to go to the search engines and look for Marshall Goldsmith's peer coach, and he'll have a PDF that you can download that explains this. Vern, do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners? It's gazelles.com. I mean, we have all of our tools up there that folks can download for free. It's all open source. And so I think hopefully I've worked more on creating a source, uh, an internet resource that's highly useful to uh, growing companies more than I've got one that that I'm using myself. Love it. Great. And Fire Nation, you can find the links to this website and everything that we're chatting about here today at eofire.com slash Vern Harnish. Vern, if you could recommend just one book for our listeners, and both of your phenomenal books will be linked up on the show notes page, what would it be? Often tell my audience, look, if you're stranded on a desert island and you need a book about growing the business, you know, I'm going to limit it to that. I said, you know, don't take my book even though it's well-recognized in the space. Take, you know, who's my latest mentor, Herman Simon's book called Hidden Champions of the 21st Century. And he, he first wrote it in 1996, and it, it's been my Bible ever since. You know, it's seven strategies for becoming one of these hyper-specialized companies, privately owned, many are family-owned, much like the world we deal with versus, again, the Fortune 500, and what does it take to own 50, 60, 80, 100% of these narrower niches? And he, he has studied it. He's outlined the seven steps for doing it. Now, I'm going to warn the readers. It's written by a German. And so it's a little, you know, boring. But all <laughs> the, you know, it is. But all of the facts and the details are there. And so just look over that, get the nuggets, and follow his, his, his formula. Uh, I know we have, and it's been of of great help. Love it. Well, Vern, Fire Nation loves audio. And if they want, they can get the audio version of any of these great business books for free at eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. And Vern, this next question is the last of the lightning rounds, but it is a doozy. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world. 
identical to earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? You know, it's funny, as you were saying that, it it reminded me of how I felt when we went to our first country outside the United States with gazelles, which was Malaysia, of all places. And and we always recommend go where your customers take you. So we're dragged to Malaysia, and, and what I would absolutely do, I, I totally lucked out and experienced it there. Very first thing I do is go to the local comedy club and, and buy a ticket. And, and, and what that really would cause me to do over the next seven days is do everything I can to learn about the people, their language, their culture, and who they are. And, and that's why I love a comedy club, because there, the comedians are always poking fun at what are the real, you know, deep cultural kind of indicators of that particular country. And once you understand that, then you can start to figure out what you might do there in the way of a business. And, and you know, to wrap up, it reminds me, well, you know, one of the greatest business decisions that I tagged in my new book was a decision that Samsung, which by the way, people don't realize the seventh largest company in the world, you know, the only one given really uh, Apple a run for its money, comes out of this little country, South Korea. And their chairman in 1990 said, we're going to get out of Dodge. We're going to take 400 of our folks and we're going to give them three months of language training. Let's learn the language. And then we're going to stick them for a year in some odd place on the planet not to do any business, but just to immerse themselves in the language, the culture. And my favorite story in there is they sent a young South Korean to Russia. And when you're done after the year, you have to come back and write a report. And so he submits this 80-page report. And John, there's not a mention of business, but 80 pages on the drinking habits of Russians. And that's all you needed to figure out. Well, you know the rest of the story. Two years later, he's president of Samsung, you know, Russia, every product they brought there since has become number one. And so look, you got seven, you got 500 bucks in seven days, spend it on having fun with the locals and learning everything you can about who they are, their language, their culture and book a ticket first night to the comedy club. Vern, what a fascinating and unique approach to this question. Really powerful for so many reasons. Such a great perspective. And wow, I have just enjoyed hearing your perspectives on all things entrepreneurial this entire interview. And I just want to thank you for that. And if we could end by you just giving Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance, share the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. I was lucky, John, that Jim Collins, you know, who doesn't do this often, did the Ford to the greatest business decisions. Right. And to me, he's always reminded folks that whenever you're faced with an opportunity or challenge, and you st- you're sitting around talking about what you ought to do and how you ought to do it and, you know, where you have to go, you know, kind of slap yourself uh, for a moment and say, you know, your first question should always be a who question. And if you'll just always keep that in the mind, whatever you're facing, Find the best who that can help you, that knows more about it and they're a little pinky than you know in your entire being and get them to help you. That becomes key. 
you know, for us, uh, you know, I've got about 75 articles on all kinds of stuff like this, how to run a daily sales meeting and how do you set your comp and how to put an advisory board together, plus all of these one-page tools and interviews with like Jim Collins and others. Just just go to gazelles.com. That, that would be the place. It's all free. You know, just go there and, and eat all you can uh, and see if it can help you out. Well, Vern, Fire Nation is well aware. They can find the links to everything that we've talked about today at eofire.com. They can just click on the podcast tab because you are hanging out in the archives. In Fire Nation, just type in Vern in our wonderful search bar and his show notes page will pop right up. And Vern, thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise and experience. Fire Nation salutes you and we'll catch you on the flip side. You bet. Thank you, John. What great questions. Fire Nation, are you in a mastermind? How about joining hundreds of fellow podcasters who can help you navigate iTunes, Adobe Audition, and other programs that you might be struggling with? Podcasters Paradise has it all. And in addition to an amazing community of over 350 podcasters, Paradise offers you all the video tutorials, tools, and resources you need to create, grow, and monetize your podcast. Come check out one of our live webinars at podcastersparadise.com. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite. 